Welcome to the Wisdom Workout Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Sullivan, and today we are going to be dropping some bombs. Get ready to pick up the codes because it's about to go down. I'm extremely excited to be joined today by someone who has played a pivotal role in my life and in my business trajectory. I had the pleasure of having him as my personal coach. He acted as a lighthouse in the dark for me and a guiding force during a major transitional phase in my life. He helped bring an indescribable amount of clarity to my purpose. He shined a light on my soul mission and lit a fire under my ass that can only be described as wild. Today, we are gonna be talking about mastering your own universe through conscious awareness and how to manifest your reality with the power of your soul. We are gonna show you how to grab ideas from out of the cosmos and integrate them powerfully so you can ground them into reality in order to identify the fastest path to manifesting your ultimate desires. He was raised Catholic in his home state of Texas, but in 2012, he left to follow his heart after his spiritual awakening. Instead of pursuing his PhD in psychology, he followed an intuitive calling to Northern California in order to study ancient Eastern traditions and philosophy as well as the human mind and our consciousness. Soon after, his travels led him on an epic quest through Southeast Asia, Thailand, India, and Nepal, during which he studied under mystics in the BKS Iyengar yoga style and Osho meditation tradition. As a result of his passion for growth, he realized and integrated a powerful synergy between Eastern and Western mysticism. Get ready to be left gasping for air from today's wisdom workout. Today, I'm bringing to you the flow master, a genius mind, a high performance coach, a content creator, a polymath wizard, a freestyle MC, a spiritual intuitive, a freestyle philosopher, and someone I am proud to call a friend, the one and only Kevin Orris. Ooh, whoa. Come on now. <laughs> I don't think I've ever even heard an intro like that for anyone, let alone myself. So you're you're a legend daniel freaking love you man i'm so stoked to be here completing that full circle yet again of our life paths together and yeah i mean this is this is evidence for both of us of a new upward spiral corkscrew right like we've hit a, no, a new corkscrew in the spiral so yeah i'm pretty good about that let's go <laughs> i feel you man yeah i'm so stoked to be here um and real quick, like for anybody who's listening, man, Kevin, um, I had the pleasure of having Kevin as my personal coach um, back in last year. And I can't even describe the amount of value that I got from it. Um, you know, if, if you're unsure in your purpose in life or you need uh, like help clarifying your path towards your soul mission or what you really want to do and real, what you really want to achieve, I really, really, really highly recommend that you bring Kevin into your bubble, whether it's listening to his podcast or reaching out to him for coaching or anything like that. I highly recommend everything that he does um, because he just brings a level of clarity that um, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just for me and we'll maybe talk about this a little bit, but in terms of a lot of business ideas that I had, cause I'm an idea guy, you know, it's always in the future. Like I'm almost like, okay, five years from now when this, this, and this happens, like I'm going to do this, but like he helped me integrate it into today and like brought it out of, you know, the cosmos and was like, okay, what are we doing today? So I highly recommend everything he does, you know, go to his website, um, check out kevinoris.com, K-E-V-I-N, obviously, O-R-O-S-Z.com. And if you want to go to the coaching, um, just check it out there and reach out. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's dive in straight into the questions. Um, today, the, uh, the podcast, 
is going to, we're going to be talking about alignment and how you become more aligned in your everyday life. So sort of to start, Kevin, can you speak a little bit about your journey and your story so far up to this point, how you got here and how you integrated into being a fully aligned being? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a journey and you know, what's funny is even now years later, probably, I mean, seven years since 2012, right. When a lot of us started to get those awakening codes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I still fall out of alignment and it's not like once you're in alignment, you're in it forever. So I want a lot of people to hear that is that it's a, it's a lifelong path and the path is through struggle and suffering and darkness and it doesn't have to be hard so there's there's both sides here and you know like you mentioned you know i was i was born and raised in texas raised catholic super shy nerdy like intellectual kid obsessed with video games like semi-pro <laughs> gamer obsessed with poker gambling obsessed with you know a lot of fantasy fiction sci-fi like that was my life as a young kid and inside of that you know I was an artist and a writer, you know, my poetry and my novels, you know, childhood novel writing and short stories, like all my English teachers loved me and they, they called me up into greatness. So that was like a first kind of glimmer. Um, yeah, fast forward, I wanted to go into law, started, started university, wanting to do political science and law, be an attorney, quickly realized that that was soulless, found Eastern philosophy, yoga, found Western philosophy, you know, Plato, and I immediately switched my major to psychology and philosophy. And I just knew that that was it. And then I thought I wanted to be an academic psychologist, right? I found Carl Jung, I found evolutionary psychology. And that just became another soulless pursuit, because I realized how much the academic world had lost the heart. And Mm. uh, yeah, fast forward to applying to grad school and graduating university, where I experienced the biggest heartbreak and depression, um, finding out my my girlfriend at the time had cheated on me, that really kind of decimated my idea about love and the feminine in myself. And I was, you know, practicing celibacy and I thought I was going to be married and very mind fucked by the religious programming that I had done to myself or allowed in because some of it resonated with me. And, you know, I went into a complete kind of manic depressive state where I was using alcohol and cannabis and, partying like till like 4am and then waking up at 7am to go to work, you know, just very crazy energy. And it was during that time that I had a full breakdown and realized that not only could I not go to grad school, but I had to leave Texas, I had to leave this place. And um, yeah, that was a very intense time for me. But it's also when a lot of my gifts unlocked. So I found martial arts yoga, I found meditation. I didn't even know, but I had been meditating for years in nature. It's just like now I found the styles and the techniques. And that's also when I started writing, you know, I I really like doubled down and just wrote endless pages on my computer and my journal, trying to understand what the fuck was happening to me. Now I can look back and see that my soul is kind of coming into my body and I was starting to break timelines. And uh, that led to me moving to California and, you know, entering the festival circuit, going to Burning Man, (laughs) backpacking through Asia and finding all these epic allies, you know, through through a lot of like self-searching and pain and shadow. And when I got to India and Nepal, going through another breakup and finding Tantra, finding Osho, finding yoga in in like a real way, 
um, that was a huge shifting point where I started to realize, you know, I was writing a blog at the time. I didn't even know what coaching really was. I thought I was going to be like a blogging author entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> it kind of flipped and launched me. And when I landed back in LA, that's when Mystic Misfit got founded. That's when I started teaching yoga in LA. That's when I started leading workshops. Um, that's when I became a coach and, and got certified um, through a mentor there. And that, that was really like, you know, that was about three years ago. That was only in 2016. So the amount of growth I've experienced in the six years since 2013, when I really got on the path versus the past three years versus the past three months, like, living, <laughs> like we're, we're living in a, in a time um, of, of accelerated quantum evolution. So what took 20 years of psychotherapy a hundred years ago can happen in 20 minutes. If right. you're willing to go all in and face it all, feel it all and flip your story and then act on that new story. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a process like that. That's so rapid right now that the only thing I can do is surrender. Mm. Any part of me that wants to control or plan or suppress through the mind is, is destroyed. And I'm, I've been experiencing that viscerally here in Bali doing shamanic breath work, doing deep meditation, doing a lot of fasting, which I know you love to fast. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's really like the, the hot code right now for me. And what got me this far is surrender. And mm. life will make you surrender until you intentionally surrender and, and offer it as a gift. 100%. Yeah, I really, I, two things that you said, um, that your awakening happened in, you know, 2012. It's really interesting, because I know myself as well as I mean, you, you kind of touched on it, like that a lot of people like that was kind of the time for a lot of us. Like, I remember, I remember the day was it was June 7th, 2012. Like, I made a decision, you know, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I walked out, I was in school, I was in high school. And I walked out of the classroom and I legitimately remember feeling the sun for the first time. And I was, I was like, I'm in a new world now, baby, let's go. <laughs> yeah. um, and then another thing too, like in terms of like searching for alignment, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, you talked a lot about pain and shadow and going through that. Cause a lot of people, I think in this sort of like new age uh, community sort of, um, you know, group or bubble, you know, are they like, you know, seek, you know, pleasure and love and joy and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that that's so absent minded in terms of, you know, reality. It's like, you know, like what you have to do to get to where you want to go, like, what's your mission in life? You know, there's no mission without struggle. And so I really like appreciated that, like how you touched on that it's really like, it's really like, you know, where's the, where's the, you know, the griminess, the dirtiness, the shadow, you know, the pain. I, I definitely think that that's, you know, where, where the most growth lies for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what provides contrast and lets you understand why pleasure and joy and alignment are so important. Like if you never experience shadow and struggle and being blocked, then the other stuff wouldn't have meaning. And that being said, there is a middle way in between the opposites, right? The duality which is accepting both fully and not attaching to either one. And that's really the goal, I think, of all spiritual paths, whatever you want to call them. All paths of personal development lead there, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. Totally. And the, so the, you don't know this yet, but the image that I'm going to use, like the cover of this podcast, it's, it's both of our, I think both of our current profile pictures. So like it's me in like the dark suit and you like in this sort of like 
dark backdrop and stuff super intense like i get that vibe like go through the shit man go through the pain figure like that's how you figure out what you're made of you know um but uh yeah so real quick can you can you sort of like define alignment and sort of describe it and what it means to you and what living an aligned life looks like yeah i mean alignment is on so many levels you know there's like the physical alignment of your tissues bone muscles and body there's the emotional alignment of like, are you acting on your desire and are you feeling the feelings and feeling them to their fullness? And then there's like the mental or, or cosmic alignment of, are you in touch with like a bigger divine, let's say purpose or like a bigger mission. And so when all those are checked, I feel like I'm in alignment. Now getting there is, is the difficult part and alignment sometimes is staying the course even in the storms. Like you, you align your ship with a direction and then the wind and the, and the life circumstances and the intensity will blow on that ship and mess with your sails, maybe even break your mast or send you rocks and krakens and all kinds of stuff. But if you can stay on your line, you are aligned. And alignment doesn't always mean for me, you know, being in that blissful state. Alignment means when it's really hard, are you still going to hold to your to your mission and your vision and your values it's, it's really about mission vision values those are like the three pillars that i really practice within and so alignment is as simple as acting in accord with your vision and that means every level so physical emotional mental spiritual like and they may not all be aligned at once they may not all want to go the same direction because there's a lot of energy that we experience that is beyond us. It's chaos, it's life and matter evolving and it's not all under our control. The only thing we can control is our reaction and our, our ability to lean in. So living an aligned life is, is doing that every time for me. Yeah, I feel that, I love that though. Mission, vision, values, like those are sort of, that makes a lot of sense to me that those are the categories for which you know, you can figure out, you know, whether or not you're walking the path that you should be walking is like, you know, the mission like that you're described sort of end state or you're described like what's the end goal, but then also like how you see yourself getting there. And then also like your ethics, like what matters to you like that. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the analogy you use with the, the ship because, you know, you know, it's gonna, <laughs> you're gonna get blown off course, <laughs> you know, like you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna come up against a hurricane and that shit's gonna knock you over for a minute. And, uh, but like, as long as you keep, you know, moving towards that direction, no matter what, like, I love, I love that analogy. So thank you for that. Um, you talk a lot about like authentic relating. Um, can you, can you again, describe kind of what that means? And then also like, I guess maybe play out a scenario or describe how, that um, works in like everyday interactions, like how can you use authentic relating to build better relationships or to live a happier life and more connected in that way? Yeah, I mean, authentic relating for me is, is you know, there's a lot of like history around this. You can look up, you know, Marshall Rosenberg and nonviolent communication and AR games, authentic relating games. There's a whole community that, um, is largely in the human potential movement that's done this stuff since like the 60s. But authentic relating to me is just like using language to create connection. Simple mm -hmm. as that. And you, you would say like, oh, well, doesn't that, isn't that what it always does? It's like, 
No. If you watch language and watch how people talk to themselves and to other people, they're actually usually doing the opposite subconsciously. And that's because, you know, a lot of power gets given away. Use of pronouns, projection, transference. There's all these like ninja things happening psychically when you're speaking. And so authentic relating means that you're aware of that and you're speaking from a place of authenticity in a desire to connect or to relate to another person. And this is super important for everything, romance, business, community building. This is important for getting any ground shared reality between two people. And so I was driven to this work really because I wanted to understand myself and being you know, a massive introvert and an anxious, shy person in the past, you know, I wanted to understand what the, what the heck was going on here, what the heaven was happening here. Why could I not just be free to express and to relate? And so I just went deep into the stuff and studied and went into all these workshops and retreats and read all these books about it. But really, it's going to become most powerful when you're practicing it with yourself first. So if you can show up in full authenticity, which means you're actually saying what you feel. You're not saying something to get in a reaction. You're not saying something to be liked. And you're not saying what you think will connect you to them. Because it's actually the opposite. People are more willing to trust you if you can say the uncomfortable things. You can create discomfort that's authentic mm. and have the difficult conversations. And there's very real techniques for this. You know, I statements is one. Holding your eye. I feel, I think, I imagine, I know, not you or we and giving away your power. It's also just saying things that you know are true, not saying things you know are not true. You know, Jordan Peterson is big about this. And I don't even think he would call it authentic relating, but that's really what he's preaching to a lot of people. And, you know, it's also linking up your sensations and your emotion with your thoughts and words. A lot, of, a lot of people in the West live separated. So their thoughts and words are saying one thing, but underneath their feelings and sensations and emotions are in pain or they're not aligned with that. And people can feel that subconsciously. So this is really about making communication conscious and authentic. And that's, that's what authentic relating means to me. Awesome. Perfect. Two things. I, I loved how <clears throat> when you were, instead of, instead of saying, um, I forget the exact sentence, but you're basically like, instead of saying, what the hell was this about? You're like, what the heavens? Cause like that to me, especially, I mean, the, we're on the topic of authentic relating. It's like, how do you use language to get your perspective across and how do you do it authentically? And since, you know, I mean, we, we were talking a lot about like the negative, negative stuff and getting through that, but also it's you, you, when you're speaking about some of the better stuff, you're using language very intelligently. Um, and I think that that's super, super important. One of my favorite examples of this is a lot of times people say I have to, you know, whereas, you know, right. you, you could say I get to. And so I, I love how you use, use language like that. Um, and yeah, there's definitely, um, it's definitely super important to be able to connect with people and, um, you know, be able to understand their perspective from where they're going instead of just, you know, projecting your reality onto them and not accounting for what their reality is sort of accepting it as. Um, yeah. So I, I love how you explain that for sure. Um, and in terms of like authentic relating, when, when you're talking with your clients, what's, what's sort of the, 
I mean, I know there's tons of powerful tools, but what's sort of like your favorite or your, you know, the most powerful tool that you use in order to break somebody's frame or one of somebody's limiting beliefs in order to help sort of transition them across, you know, that, that chasm that, you know, that, that the, you know, crevice or whatever that you have to leap across in order to get to, you know, the life that they desire, what's like the most powerful tool and that you use in order to connect and sort of transform people that way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, two come up. One is like, because I've done it to myself and trained myself, I can hawk other people's language. And that is what I do with clients. You know, I just watch them. Anything they say that's not about them, anything they're projecting or anything that they're saying that you can tell by tone, it's not even about words. Your, your subconscious actually listens more to tone. And, uh, you know, I've trained myself with my own tone and listening to other people to understand what's actually happening inside. And I can't even explain it logically. It's just something that happens. Now, if you're, if you're speaking a, a phrase or you're saying something and it makes you feel disempowered, it's going to reflect in your tone. So I can laser mm. that instantly and invite them to upgrade that language and say it again in an empowered way or say it in a way that takes ownership. It's really about ownership. So an example would be like, you know, someone's telling me about their, their troubles with, you know, their, their father or their mother. And they're like, well, you know, you know, when your father does this, you feel really bad. I'm like, what do you mean you? Are you talking to me? You're talking about yourself. And they just like, mm. it just blows their minds. They're like, oh, wow. I felt this way when my father, it's like a subtle thing a lot of people do is just project things outside so they don't have to claim and therefore alchemize it. So that's a simple one. Um, another one is the we, you know? Yeah, well, we as a society are just fucked up. You know, we have a lot of pharmaceutical issues and mental health issues. It's like, what are you talking about? Can you say it in an I statement? Oh, I am actually struggling with understanding why I'm taking medication when I, when I don't need it, or I'm struggling to understand why I feel this way. It's like by taking back power and language, you can completely flip the energetic. And that's where it starts, actually. Language is kind of a front line. And the other one that's really powerful and simple is the five second rule, Mel Robbins, you know, and really you can get it down to the three second rule. And this lets you bypass the critical function and the judgment part of the brain, the neocortex is you really get into a state embodied through breathing, through meditation, and then ask questions. And then you really challenge your response in three to five seconds. So what are you most feeling right now? Five second rule, five, four, three. It's like, whoa, I'm feeling lonely. Whereas mm. if they waited and, and responded, it actually would have been a whole story to avoid feeling the loneliness. Interesting. That's how clever the mind is. They rationalize it away instead of actually just being conscious of what they're actually feeling. Interesting. I'm definitely going to look, look that up and like research it a bit more. Um, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but can you sort of... Um, Tell us a story a little bit more of, a, of your spiritual awakening and what you think the, the catalyst of it was. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things we've already spoken about is what was happening to me. And I mean, long story short, I was you know, raised Catholic. I knew a lot of it was bullshit, even as a kid, because I would ask questions that they would like not have an answer to. Like, what's purgatory? <laughs> why don't, why don't non-Christians go to heaven, even if they're really good people? And they couldn't answer the questions. It was just so obviously loopholes that were just in the dogma. So I already knew that a lot of it was BS. However, reading the actual Bible, you know, I was reading Genesis and reading Revelation. 
and Psalms and Acts as a boy. And I was like, this is like mystical. This is powerful stuff. This is a ritual. And I would get this feeling, even when I was in mass and in church, of that like transcendent element inside of me, even though a lot of it was BS. And I knew these people, these adults were telling me to behave, but they weren't even doing it. So how am I going to trust them? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that led on where I thought I wanted to become a priest. I wanted to become a ceremonialist, a ritualist, a shaman. Like I didn't even really know what that meant, but I could feel a calling to it. So like I was already in that frame, I should say. And I was studying mythology. I was reading mythology. I was reading literature. I was reading, you know, fantasy, Tolkien's, Star Wars, everything, you know, the Jedi, these knights, these quests, the mythologies were rich because I was obsessed with that. And I was reading and just absorbing that. So that was already really informing my spiritual quest. Now, what happened and for, for most people when they first break with the track of normal life and this is something actually recently i've been really li just listening to joseph campbell's lectures on repeat and he talks about all mystic traditions talk about the right and the left hand path and basically what this means is you have the right hand path which is tradition 95 percent of people choose the right hand path which is go with tradition do what your parents did if your parents were lawyers you become a lawyer if your parents were cobblers you go into the family business as a cobbler and the momentum of the tribe and society and what's been done before guides the right hand path and there's nothing wrong with that and then there are other people the artists the freaks the mutants the shamanic the warriors the knights the, the spiritual quest which is you know 5% or less of the population, but I think that's growing fast, is the left-hand path. And the left-hand path is actually following your bliss. It's following your own willpower and feelings and trusting yourself instead of the society. And mm. this is a very dangerous path because it's a razor's edge. Because if you fail or you get stuck or you get disheartened, the momentum of history is ready to sweep you away. And it takes a lot of energy. And it can be easy if you really know the techniques and surround yourself with people on the quest. So I had that moment where I was going to do the, the good boy thing and get a PhD in psychology because all my professors and my parents and all my teachers said I'd be good at it. And I was <laughs> applying to grad school and doing all the things. Meanwhile, my personal relationships were struggling. Meanwhile, I was you know, using alcohol, using drugs. Meanwhile, I was, had insomnia, was having anxiety attacks. I was having like a lot of stress and my mental and spiritual life was chaotic. And I was trying to understand this. And I, I came to a point where I had to choose. Like, I, I'll never forget the day I woke up and realized that grad school was not for me. It wasn't serving me. The idea of it had been serving me on the right-hand path because it had put me on this track and taught me all these skills and put me in this situation. But on a felt level, I wanted to walk my own path. And I knew that it was already emerging in my writings at the time. This is why another really powerful thing Jordan Peterson talks a lot about is self-authoring. If you have a consistent practice of writing your thoughts and ideas and feelings, your soul will come through that. And you can look back on that and understand mm -hmm. yourself. There's a way that like, self-authoring and writing you can write yourself into existence and that's what i was doing at the time um, now i think i speak it more because at some point i shifted more from writing to speaking but yeah there, there was a real intense moment that's a spiritual awakening whatever where i 
cried so deeply of the pain of living a false life that it broke through into laughter. And then I laughed so hard at the absurdity, you know, and like psychology would call this a breakdown, but this is actually a massive release of cathartic energy and healing for me at the time. Laughing so hard at the absurdity of it all and the silliness of letting other people dictate my life that it flipped back into tears. And that's the day I decided, I was like, I went to my calendar and just X'd out, you know, all the dates I had to, all the deadlines to send in the essays and meet with professors and work in this lab and all this psychology, PhD, you know, gateways I was going through. It, it, was, it was a fuck no. And I faced that and felt it and then relaxed and released. And then life opened me up into a synchronicity and mystery. And I've been following that path ever since. That's awesome, man. That's an incredible story. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing that. Uh, you know, I, I loved what you were saying, like, you know, sort of the standard or uh, collective wisdom. Collective is not the right word I'm looking for, but the standard opinion of that would be like, oh, you're having, you know, a mental breakdown, you know, you're going through psychosis or something, but uh, really like you're, you're just, breaking through and one of my favorite sayings like you have to break down in order to break through and it I feel like that's totally what you went through and like you came out the other side I feel like much stronger right like just be going through that going through that experience and like almost taking ownership over your soul and like your your mission and your life right that's it yeah I mean this is talked about in all traditions that if you really want to break free of the conditioning and travel on your own way, you have to face, you know, madness. You have to face sorrow. You have to face deep, intense sensation and feeling because that's the only energy that can be unlocked that's going to give you the momentum out. And, you know, it doesn't mean you stay out forever. There are people who have intense experiences and break free, but then they never come back. And those are the mm. people we see homeless. Those are the people we see with illness. Those are the people that we see, you know, lost. The whole idea is you break out and make connection with your actual soul and then come back in by choice and with the new wisdom and techniques. And that's really the power of following your bliss and following what you actually are feeling and thinking and acting on that, even when everything around you is telling you to do what everyone else is doing. Totally. That distinction is super important because I've had friends who, you know, they, they went and they were like on the edge of that abyss and, you know, they, they were like, okay, am I, am I ready to go in? Am I ready to go in? And then, you know, some of them just back off and no, like, that's not me, this life, whatever. But some of them, they just dive in and it's like, okay, yes, go for it. But also like you have to reintegrate because if you don't reintegrate, then you're just out in the cosmos flying around and you know, your body's left here. Like, who am I? What's going on? Um, so that's a very powerful distinction. Thanks for sharing that. And I guess that kind of leads into the next question as well. Um, can you sort of describe what a galactic activation is? This is sort of on the same topic as like a spiritual awakening. Um, but I guess also more in terms of an extra dimensional perspective. Can you like speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this was hard for me to understand for a long time because I was so rational, you know, and I was being I was becoming a social scientist and a psychologist. So everything had to be based on data, had to be based on experiments, blah, blah, blah. 
now I realize that the most powerful experiment you can do is what you can do with your own consciousness. Mm. Verify this for yourself. But yeah, galactic activation or galactivation, or you hear about <laughs> code, you hear about all these energies, you know, we can only see and perceive with our senses less than 5% of the electromagnetic spectrum. Like that's just science. And most of matter, 99.7% of matter is empty space. So, and that's been proven in equations. That's not something like someone made up. That's like, like when physicists go into math and, you know, when astronomers and astrologists combine, you can see that the universe is way more quantum and malleable than we've been taught. And so, I also believe it's fairly obvious logically that we're not the only planet in the universe, which we can't even count how many planets there are. And we're obviously not the only intelligence in the universe because if it can happen on this planet, it probably has happened and has been happening everywhere else too. So that being said, there are other dimensions where information can come from, whether you call that an, uh, you know, an extra dimensional intelligence, or you call that the earth's intelligence, like the earth itself is intelligent, um, or stars, stars can be intelligent. I think they are. And yeah, there's, in, there's information coming from there. And, you know, ask yourself where, like all your favorite music and art, like think about where that's coming from, like who inspired that artist or what energies inspired that artist, you know, and the great novels and works of fiction, the great films, art's probably the easiest place to see it because you can see this information directly coming through a human being and being shared. And all great men, Einstein, you know, being an obvious example, Tesla, you know, Mozart, Beethoven, these masters, they all write in their biographies and their journals about intelligence or God's wisdom or God's love, you know, galactic codes, what we call it now, coming through them when their ego got out of the way and they actually could bring something through and that was new and channel something in. And so, yeah, it's really like, what's your relationship to your intuition? That's what it comes back down to in a grounded way, even more grounded. Where do you get decision-making and ideas beyond just your thinking? And what does that look like? What happens when you feel inspiration? And what does that, what does that show up as in your life? And then you can start to really go out into the cosmos and go galactic and realize that we're part of a massive web of life and energy that's way beyond you know, your city and your state and your country and this planet. Awesome. That was a perfect explanation. Definitely could not have described it better myself. Um, that question actually came up because I was, I was talking to somebody today and I was like, I'm going to interview somebody who used to be my coach. And, and he was like, okay, well, what kind of coach was he? And I was like, trying to describe it. I was like, well, he's kind of like a galactic coach and like helps me with like my soul purpose and my mission. He's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, uh, just listen to the podcast. I'll ask it on the podcast. He'll explain it better than me. <laughs> Nice. Um, so anyways, can you, um, can you speak a little bit about um, like living aligned with your energetic core and how to know whether you're dominant masculine or feminine and how to relate with the polarity between yourself and other people once you recognize your core? Yeah, this is a big one, you know. Um, in the Vedas and in a lot of indigenous traditions, and a lot of the ancient traditions they talk about, there's like a lot of different genders. Not that it's like this transgender 
you know, LGBTQ, like I have so much honor and respect for that community. And, you know, this is beyond labels and beyond like gender identity and political kind of things. This is really like, you know, are you feeling decisive? Are you feeling emotional? Are you mm -hmm. feeling connected to the earth and connected to primal energy? Or are you connected to the ether and sky and the, and the really like directed wind energy, you know, it's elemental. And that's kind of an esoteric way to talk about it, but it can be very practical. Think about it like mother and father. We have all have a mother and father inside of us known as the masculine and feminine or the yin and the yang. So you have an external mother and father, right? But they were just doing the best they could. They were just human beings. They're actually embodying a principle which is beyond human beings, which is the creator and the creatress or the creatrix, the god and the goddess, the sun and the moon, you know, life-giving and death-giving, you know, taking away and filling up. These are, these are primordial principles in the universe. And so we all have both. Now, most men are going to be masculine energy dominated. Most women are going to be feminine energy dominated. And there are women that embody more masculine energy. And there are men that embody more feminine energy. And then there's a whole degree in between that of, you know, people that are embodying a mixture. For me personally, I can only talk about myself. You know, I've dived deep into both. I've been a yogi, like vegetarian, like very like kind of cosmic and like not really of the earth and like very humble and like, you know, living in, in like basically poverty for, for like America, right? It's not real poverty. Right. Um, and at that time I was very identified with the feminine principle. I was very yin and I was very surrendered and very like void. And that was a powerful season and it didn't serve me in fulfilling my mission financially didn't necessarily serve me with women didn't serve me yep. in a lot of ways i feel that so <laughs> super valuable super valuable to understand that but is that something i'd want to cultivate and stay in no and i've done the other way too where i've gone hyper masculine and i've been like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking hustle i'm gonna work out every day i'm gonna be super intense i'm just gonna make decisions i'm just gonna just own life just crush it crush it crush it crush it and then that leads to burnout and, you know, that's been more of the struggle for me is how to balance that side because the feminine actually has come quite easily um, in, the, in my past because I, I, I had a season of just like completely surrendering to life and kind of the hippie, like, just go with the flow, man, like that kind of like energy, <laughs> which is kind of a more feminine energy coming through a male body. And right. it's beautiful. And it doesn't, it doesn't create empires. Right. And then on the other side, too much of that empire building energy has a real toll on your body and your mind and your relationships. So ideally, you want to come into harmony. And this is where the mother and father inside. When do you need to father yourself? If you're running a business, you probably need to father yourself some because you got to mm. have discipline and consistency and show up and add value. It's huge. Right. Other times, you're going to need to mother yourself. So... Is your body hurting? Is your diet need to change? Do you need to get some self-care? Do you need a massage? Do you need to go silent? Do you need to be in nature? You gotta mother yourself, you know, and take care of your body and your emotions. When both are in balance, you're a completely realized human being. Because you can you can orbit within them. Oh, now it's time to shift into masculine. Okay, no resistance. Boom. I strike like a tiger. I'm just like, I'm in it. 
Oh, life's now calling for surrender and yin. Okay, let me let me go like the crane and just like float on the wind and actually be relaxed. And you rotate in between these in life and what's demanded from your life. And then you add in a woman or a man who's your partner and you have a whole nother universe because they're doing the same thing. And now the polarities start playing because if your partner as a, as a woman is super feminine and you as a man are super feminine, you're in trouble. Right. If your partner is a man and he's super masculine and you as a woman are super masculine, you're in trouble. Right. That can create a lot of tension and chaos. Whereas when you polarize into masculine feminine and dance inside of that, suddenly you have passion and erotic play and polarity and just adventure and, and fun and relating. And this is beyond, you know, romantic. This is in business. This is in tribe and community. This is in mentorship. This is in friendship. It's really a, it's a very grounded concept. It, it's not that esoteric. And I get asked this question probably more than anything else, which is one of those things where it's like, well, I guess this is part of my dharma this life is to go into this fully. Mm. And I went into it because I didn't understand why my relationships were failing and why I felt so emasculated and why I felt so low and depressed and like really struggling to relate to the, the women in my life, the partners. And that popped me into like psychology and philosophy and the, and the perennial traditions of Tantra and the Taoist and the Hindu, and also just like the alchemical traditions of like Egypt and Europe and the hermetic laws, because the principle of gender and the principle of polarity are in all of nature. The proton and the electron are playing out this dance. The sun and the moon are playing out this dance. The seasons are playing out this dance. Just as humans who have sexual nature and we create more humans that way, it gets really personal and emotional and mental. And so it's for everyone to find out for themselves. For me, my journey has been unique. Your journey will be unique. It's really just getting, getting clear on recognizing the energies inside of you. So then you can start to work with them instead of against them. Perfect. I love that perspective of, you know, letting the, letting yourself mother yourself and letting yourself father yourself in different scenarios. Cause everyone does have, it's not one or the other, you know, everybody has both energies within themselves. And like you're also describing, you know, you know, you also have earth energies and sky energies and, you know, all these other sort of dichotomies that, create a more complex matrix that we can play with. Um, you know, it's not just binary, right? It's not just, you know, a lot of people I think have this notion that masculine and feminine is totally binary. And, you know, it's really, it's really a false binary. It's just because they haven't expanded their perspective out enough to understand that there's a lot of other dichotomies at play, which makes, you know, the matrix a whole lot more complicated. So, but I really like that perspective of being able to father and mother yourself at different times for different needs. Um, Cause it, it helps, I think, integrate, um, you know, those different energies. I'm definitely going to use that in the future. Um, so we have about 10 minutes left probably. Um, so the, the one sort of last thing that I wanted to ask you, um, is the habits that you've used in your life to sort of either stay in alignment or help, help you, um, accelerate your momentum on your path. Can you give us some of the habits that you use? And then also what, you know, to give sort of the people who are listening a tangible takeaway, can you sort of take, uh, take your favorite practice, whether it's a breathing exercise or some sort of, um, 
you know, meditation or something like that. Uh, do you think you could describe that a little bit and maybe we could do a, a short demo or a little example of that before we, before we end today? Totally. Totally. Love it. Awesome. I mean, this is, this is super relevant to what I've been working on here in Bali in this year is my first online course, which is called flow state mastery. And I've been obsessed with flow states, studying, embodying them for the past six years since I started this journey before I even knew what they were, I was already obsessed with it. And then I found, you know, the work of Kotler wheel, the work of Chikam Sehai. There's all this like flow psychology research out there that I'll let y'all look at. Um, but for me, this is my personal version and the habits, you know, a lot of this is also for me inspired by Hal Elrod, the miracle morning. So that's another like epic resource, but this is my version, which is, you know, in my course, I have six weeks of training, six modules, six habit clusters that have given me the most chance to just crush it every day and be in the zone. And the first one is meditation. So meditation on, of some form has to happen for me every day usually in the morning and if not in the morning at some point in the day at night is another good time and meditation is really like how you're going to be able to observe your mind and get it in front of you and get it so that you can start to watch it that inner voice the thinking the overthinking you got to come to terms with this so you can actually start to be more expressed beyond just that the next one is breath work so breath work is the most powerful and that's what i've been training recently with wim hof's brother marcel hoff here in bali like just going so intense into deep breathing shamanic breathing yogic breathing and breath work is the most accessible altered state that you have and yogis understood this and a lot of yoga is based around pranayama and the asana is actually to prepare you for pranayama and meditation. So the stretching is actually getting your body more open for that. And so there's all kinds of breath works. I cover like three main types in my course. That's something that I'm going to be doing every day. Um, the next one is self-programming. And so self-programming is like you are being programmed by reality all around you. There's all kinds of things happening. What do you want to feel? What do you want to experience? What do you want to create? So self-programming involves a whole cluster of things, reading the right material, writing yourself into existence, self-authoring, affirmations, repeating and entraining the mission, vision, values that you want, visualization, seeing the mission, vision, values that you want, and then repeating it. Because by repetition, it goes into the subconscious, and then you start to program yourself. There's a lot of ways I do this, but I pick and choose some of that cluster. And that's gonna be happening every day. And you can do this with content, you can do this with journaling. You can do this before you go to sleep. You can do this right when you wake up. Um, the next one is movement, which I know you're huge on, and mm -hmm. you gotta be moving. And so for me, like I love high intensity interval training. I love lifting heavy and fasting. I love Qigong, I love yoga, I love dancing. Some kind of movement is going to be in your structure and it's going to be really important to get you beyond the mind and into the body. Huge flow trigger. And within that is nutrition as well. It's really the body. So there's nutrition is a huge flow trigger as well. Knowing like what adaptogens and superfoods work with you. Knowing how intermittent fasting can serve you. Knowing what fresh local organic food is going to serve you. And then the last two are, you know, tantra 
in its many forms, not just sexuality, although sexuality is probably the most powerful, whether that's with yourself or with a partner, tapping into pleasure, tapping into your own body's energy. For me, it also looks like trance, going into dance through breath work, through ecstatic dance. It also looks like my voice, so toning, singing, rapping, freestyling, speaking in a powerful way. This can open you up to a whole nother level of energy. And that's, that, that, those are like more tantric methods because they're actually about breaking through structure and ritualizing reality and being in union with reality in a natural way instead of a bunch of structure, structure, structure. And then I already mentioned this, but it's the sixth module in the course, which is reading. And reading is a deep kind of programming where are you reading? For me, I listen a lot too. I listen to a ton of lectures. Like my favorite three, my favorite four lectures right now that are just like constantly cycling are. Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna, Osho, and Joseph Campbell. That right there is like a pantheon where I can <laughs> just get enriched by their information. I'm also reading, again, King, Warrior, Lover, Magician by Robert Moore. You know, I'm reading Stealing Fire, Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler, on yeah. and off. And these are, these are, you know, powerful ways to program yourself. Readers are leaders. The top 3% of the wealthy in this, in this country that have like shared their data are reading, you know, 60 books a year. And so you got to understand that like reading is a form of wealth and it's very important for programming yourself. And, you know, I want to be at least listening to one lecture or reading something every day. And that's a game changer. Um, so those are like the six bundles of practices. Um, now, as far as a demo and, and something to tune in with, you know, what we can do is, and this is super simple, and it's basically the five-second rule plus your intuition. And I have a dear friend here who's been teaching me a lot about this, and, like, I'm just starting to use it in a powerful way and anchor it. And you can do it a number of different ways. So what we can do is we can try it right now. And all you need to do is have a question. So maybe it's, like, should I do A or B or should I go in this direction? Or like maybe you're listening to this podcast, watching this and you have a choice to make. Should I make that call? Should I send in that application? Should I ask that girl out? Great. Mm. This, this exercise will help you make the decision because it actually pulls your mind out of the equation. So you're not going to be overly critical, judgmental, stuck in that. You're going to be here and now. So it's super simple. This is what we're going to do. There's layers to it. First layer is just closing the eyes, getting like super erect, straight spine. I'm just take a huge deep breath. So right there, you created some space. Now five second rule. Ask yourself the question, what's the intention? Five seconds, five, four, three, two, one. That right away, great. an image or a word came up. Yeah. Okay. So, so right away, there's already information. That's the five-second rule. The next layer is you can muscle test it. So muscle testing is a way to get to your intuition. And so for some people, it's going to be really kinesthetic. So same thing. You can just take your fingers like this and then taking another deep breath. And set your intention. And first, ask your body what's yes. So for me, yes, is I can't pull my fingers apart. And you really got to hold your fingers. And then I just reset. What's no? <laughs> no, they're going to come apart. Okay? And it might be opposite for you. You got to actually ask your body. And then you just, you tune in with another breath. 
And you got to have your body in it, emotions in it, think it, and then muscle test it. And you'll get your answer immediately. Now, if the mind comes in and questions it, it's a practice. My mind still questions it. But I know it was just trying to protect me with all the logic and reason I've implanted into it to understand the universe. Meanwhile, my body and my intuition already know. And then the last layer, which this one actually usually works better for me, um, is again, have the question intention in mind, take a deep inhale, and then drop into your body, drop into your sensations and just see the options. So really think, visualize the question you're asking, see the options, what's option A? And right there, as you see it, how does your body feel? Immediately, do you feel expansion? Do you feel tingling? Do you feel warmth and energy? Or do you feel contraction? Do you feel like you're going into your head? Do you feel a loss of energy? Boom, there's your answer. And you can visualize the other outcomes and test them. This is like science. Because the body and the subconscious have all the information. 9,000 times faster than the prefrontal cortex and the part we call me. And this has been studied by science. This isn't even woo-woo. You know, the work of Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief, Dr. Joe Dispenza. You know, this stuff is trending right now because people are finally open to this information in a scientific way. And so this, this is part of those practices I was describing, those six kind of modules. But this is a very practical thing you can do in life. You can do it with simple things. Should I eat a cheeseburger or should I eat the cucumber? <laughs> Your body will tell you. Or we can do it with big things. Do I take this job opportunity or do I pass it up? Like big decisions, small decisions, doesn't matter. This is how you're turning into that quantum operating system. Awesome. That's amazing. And for those of you listening, uh, you didn't see what Kevin did. Basically, he made two okay signs with both of his hands, interlocked the fingers and tried to pull them apart. Um, and we, we're actually out of time. I really, 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 really appreciate you for coming on today, Kevin. Um, I selfishly actually wanted to interview you so that way I had the chance to ask you some questions. And I knew, <laughs> I knew that it would provide a lot of value to the people who are listening. I'm definitely going to listen to this again. And so if you're listening to this right now, definitely listen to it again. You know, Kevin dropped a lot of bombs, a lot of codes and go through it again and make sure that you're getting all of this information because there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and so before, before we hang up, is there anything you'd like to plug before we finish? I know you talked about the flow state, um, course real quick. When's that coming up? How can people get it? Uh, et cetera. Yeah, totally. And Daniel, I just appreciate you. I, from the time we met in Costa Rica last year till now, you know, you are flourishing and like your, your quest is a righteous one. So I see you brother. And I'm so grateful that you gave us this opportunity. This is amazing. And I'm so excited for your podcast and this revival of your content. And, you know, yeah, by the end of this month, you know, I'm finished putting the finishing touches on it getting it really tightly packaged and epic. It's going to be a whole community, private Facebook group, six weeks of course material, um, you know, six video transmissions, plus like basically a whole book of these techniques. Um, it's flowstatemastery.com. Just get on the newsletter. You'll be the first to know. It's going to be a sale for the first, you know, 60 days. It's launched. It's going to be epic. And I'm just excited to have an offering like that where I can reach people at scale because a lot of my work has been private coaching, one-on-one -on -one immersions, workshops and retreats. So this is a, this is a big chance for me to really like pick up the megaphone and like share this stuff with a lot of people. So that feels really good. 
And then, um, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, search my name. I got content coming out all the time, old and new, you know, and, uh, Kevin Orris, my If you want to find out more about my podcast, the revolution, which, uh, Daniel, you will be on that soon. We'll get a, we'll get an episode yeah. set up and just got all the superheroes on there. So awesome. you can find it on my website, iTunes, Spotify. And yeah, I'm so grateful brother that we're still on this journey together. So I also want to point out that we're like black and white, like we're wearing black and white. And <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'll definitely post a picture of this so that people can see what you just mentioned. I, I totally didn't notice that till now. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Anyways, I love you, Kevin. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I can't wait to see how our lives unfold from here on out. Yeah, brother. So much love, Daniel. Stay up. Stay in it, people. Follow this brother. Eat his content like your life depends on it because it's mana. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm grateful for you, man. Thanks. Big love. Talk later.